On a special bonus episode, we talk with our friends Justin and Naomi Sonefield. You must unlearn what you have learned. Remember, a Jedi can feel the Force flowing through him. In between it all. Balance. Welcome to Voice of the Wills. This is where the fun begins. You are right back in the mess. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. All this as the Force wills it. Just when you think you understand the Force, you find out how little you actually know. I may fail, you may fail, but there is no try. We would be honored if you would join us. Okay, well, welcome to another special episode of Voice of the Wills. This is another bonus episode. We've uh, now done one of those. Hopefully you gave that one a listen. If you haven't, um, we interview uh, special guest Taylor Goodson, who wrote the theme music that you just listened to. Um, So please check that out and uh, find out more about him because he's a fabulous musician. But today we have another bonus episode where we're going to talk with our good friends, from the 501st and Rebel Legion um, uh, about being a couple in the uh, in both of those groups and uh, and their sort of journey to Star Wars. Um, before we do that, I do have Elena Source with us uh, joining us on the episode. Elena, how are we doing today? Doing wonderful. How are you? You know, we're we're recording in the morning for ma- probably the first time ever, so it's a different experience oh, it's a little so bit. Weird. But it I'm is I- refreshed. A little bit more awake than normal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good deal. And so our two special guests we have, um, first is uh, Naomi Sonefield, who um, is uh, in both the Rebel Legion and the 501st as, uh, well, we'll let her tell you about her costumes because she's got quite a few, but Naomi, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're very excited to have this talk. Um, and also her husband, Justin. Justin, how are we doing? Hello, how are you? Oh, you know, very, 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 very good. Um, now, I got, gosh, I got to think about how long ago I met you guys. I, I might have met you guys at the first troop you did. I don't remember. Um, are you, but, I, think it, I think you did. It was either the first or the second, uh, for sure. Yeah, well, Naomi was, I was very excited because Naomi was in her Captain Phasma uh, gear. Um, and uh, if you haven't seen a Captain Phasma live, um, you know, uh, go see them. Although Naomi is, uh, is has a very uh, exceptional one. I'm always excited to see um, that. Yeah, I, I, mean, Naomi- I remember I cried the first time I saw it in person. <laughs> <laughs> it was so beautiful. And I just was like, oh, you look so Stunning! <laughs> Thank you. Well, that was all Justin. I have to give him credit. He he really he really outdid himself well, you guys that one. Nailed it. I can't even. You know what? Now that you're talking about it, I honestly can't remember the first time I met you guys because I think I've known you guys for so long now. Well, it's not that long, but for most of the time that I've been in the legions, at least. I don't know. Do you guys remember? Because I can't. I, I think it was, I, I think it was actually that same troop. And I think you were. What was it? Was it Breakfast? I think. Really? Like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think I was Vader, and you were Leia. So, oh. it was a little father-daughter experience. Well, we definitely were at least talking online then, because I had um, been watching 
the progress on the phasma. So when I finally got to see it in person, I was like, Ugh, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. And that's kind of one of the great things about our little group is, you know, you kind of see each other and kind of feel like you know each other before you even meet each other for the first time, which is kind of special. It is. I mean, uh, I have probably actually only seen you guys a handful of times, but I definitely feel like uh, you guys are good friends. And uh, I love to I always love seeing you guys. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's dive into a little bit different conversation than we've had on the podcast, which is to talk a, a little bit about um, you guys coming together, Troop. But before we do that, I thought I'd maybe ask you guys a little bit about how you came to Star Wars in your life. Justin and I have had conversations about this. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, Naomi, but how did how did Star Wars become a thing in your life? Uh, well, for me, it was really I had seen all the Star Wars movies, but I wasn't a super fan that I would say that I was now. I always had a connection to them. But for me, um, it wasn't until I met Justin and then also had our son Jack. And Justin was so excited to show Jack his first Star Wars movie. And then as Jack got older... I'm, uh, stay, I stay at home with him, and so when we would watch the movies, Justin would be at work, so Jack would be asking me all the questions. So I had to know, like, every plot line, every character, everything, <laughs> to be able to answer his questions, because I wasn't going to, you know, say, oh, go ask your dad. Like, I, um, so I learned so much more because we were watching um, all the movies, uh, we took him to the premieres when the uh, episode seven, eight, and nine came out. Then we were watching Rebels. We watched Resistance. We watched the Clone Wars. We watched everything. So um, I really got to learn a lot more about that, the actual movies and the actual characters. But as far as costuming, um, I've always had a love for fashion. When I had a career, I was a buyer for Macy's. Okay. And before that, when I was like in high school, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And so I was always been into fashion. Um, and then in college, I studied um, merchandising and manufacturing. I knew how to sew. My mom knew how to sew. So she taught me really young. And I've always loved making my own clothes, making costumes. And the first costume I ever tried to make on my own was Fireside Padme. And that's the first costume we submitted to the Rebel Legion. Before we knew really what the rules and the standards were, we just kind of did it. And, you know, you get back the list of all the things to change. Um, and it took me a second, but I ended up getting that submitted. So, yeah, that was like when I saw that gown, oh, all of Padme's gowns, I fell in love. But that's a long answer to a short question <laughs> no that's okay i think we'll get to dive a little bit more deeply into some of those things that you said uh in a second but uh how about you justin how did you i know yours goes back a lot further so how did you get into star wars yeah i'm, oh. I'm really old uh so <laughs> oh so i was born in 1972 which puts me when star wars came out is probably the perfect absolute perfect age for a star wars super fan and on the uh, night of the premiere of Star Wars, uh, my parents went, and my father was just like, you know, 
Justin would just love this movie. So they took me to see Star Wars, I think, on the fourth day of its release. Wow. and Or at least the fourth day that it was available in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is where I grew up. And uh, from then on, I, I, I've seen every episode uh, on its premiere night, some of them multiple times on their premiere night. And, you know, it's... I mean, I remember the mad dash to the video store. I remember the first time someone came over with a VCR tape of Star Wars. <laughs> I, I grew up, you know, I mean, and that was a big deal. I think it was actually Betamax. Yeah, this, this is something. So this is one of the nice things about having Elena on the show is to explain to her. Like, it's such a different relationship when you're a little bit I, older. I had, I had uh, tapes when I was younger. I know, yeah, but, I know the, the struggle, but it's just funny to think that that was like. Yeah, but it was it was uh, so unreadily available to watch. Like if it was on yeah. network television, you would watch it because you just didn't you couldn't just watch it on demand. Well, I remember I remember oh, the yeah. news, there was a news story. So this this made the papers was when Star Wars was going to first air on TV and it was in 1984, I believe. And I remember reading that in a newspaper in like 1982, knowing there was 2 years you would have to wait to see it on like broadcast TV. But we had, what we had was, um, I, I remember one of my best friends, his name was Corky. He, his father had like probably like, he was a doctor and he had like the first VCR or Betamax in the neighborhood. And when they had the, you know, the, the only TV that we had of Star Wars was the holiday special at first. And then they I'm had, so I know, right? And, and, and then they had these behind the scenes uh, movies that you can see now. You can go on YouTube, or, and I think they included some in some of the extras, but these behind the scenes movies that, that are TV shows that Mark Hamill narrated, Karen Fisher, I think, narrated one, and then R2 and C3PO narrated the other for one of the other movies. And they would just air those on, you know, like CBS or ABC, one or the other as a special thing. And he had recorded it. So we would go to his house and watch it all the time. But that was all the Star Wars we had access to as kids. Yeah, I had, I had, a, I had, a, I had a VHS we taped off TV. I, actually, I, told, I think I told this story on another one. But I had, I had that wasn't great quality. And then I also had the Ewok adventure that my dad would record when the Ewok adventure aired. Um, but he would stop the recording for commercials, and then um, when the when it picked up again, uh, he would hit record again. Well, he forgot to hit record for like the last third of it. Um, oh, so no. for so for so much of my life, I watched two thirds of the Ewok the Adventure. <laughs> oh, at least he tried. <laughs> well, and and actually, one of the one of the well, when my wife and I first started dating. Um, I came over to her house and she had the VHS copy of it and uh, of the I Ewok need Adventure. the answers. And I was like, we have to watch it. I don't remember what happens at the end. So <laughs> that's funny. But, uh, but yeah. So as you as you got older with the uh, with Star Wars, how did how did your sort of relationship with with it change? Because I know for me, I go through different phases with it, and uh, and joining the Legion is a whole new phase. But you know. Uh, as you got older and got towards, uh, you know, I don't know, well, any, any, anything of significance as you got older that you can think of. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, it, you know, it's one of those things that I, I think I joked about it a lot was I probably could have been an incredible athlete if it wasn't for Star Wars, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it dominated, it dominated everything. So, you know, when there was the gap between 1983 
and uh, you know, 1997 basically, or 90, yeah, 97 is when the special editions came back out. Right. Um, you know, there there was there was there was no Star Wars, and and you know, you had the dark space, times. Yeah, they're dark times. <laughs> you had Spaceballs. You know, you had some tributes. You had a lot of pop pop culture references, but it it really wasn't there. But it was always it was always a thing for me that that you know was around. And I, you know, I, I'll get made fun of by my wife and a lot of people for having these being ridiculously dedicated to too many hobbies. And <laughs> Star Wars was, it, you know, I had I had I had a lot of Star Wars figures and a large Star Wars collection. And I remember distinctly selling every single piece I had for about a hundred dollars so I could buy my first and larger for a dark room because I was getting into photography. And I remember selling the enlarger in the darkroom equipment for my first guitar. And okay. so it was like this progression away from Star Wars, but it all kind of started with the capital that was raised <laughs> by, by selling that Star Wars collection. And then when I, uh, uh, when I was, I, I, I've been married twice. Uh, and, and when I was getting married the first time, I had that very crazy brother-in-law who's since passed. And for my wedding, he said, he said, you know, what was the one thing you would, had bought in your life that you regretted selling? And I said, I regretted selling all my Star Wars toys. And this was 1997. And so all of the new Star Wars toys were starting to be reissued. You know, they were all bulkier and muscular and everything was kind of funny. But, but uh, he, he ended up buying me every single piece that was available at that time. And, wow. and, and so I had this re- renewed Star Wars toy collection in 1997. And really, from there on, uh, it never fully left, you know, the front of the brain. But it really wasn't until Naomi, you know, Naomi's selling herself a little short. You know, she was pre-wired to love all of this stuff. She's the reader of the family. She's the one that, that you know, loves Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, read all and seen all of that. Um, you, you can't find a book that has a vampire in it that she hasn't read and loved. <laughs> You know, and, and, and so so all the idea of the myth and the fantasy like just played perfect for her and we when we met we, we were both you know, I, I loved Halloween, I loved it but you know, you didn't know it at the time but but you loved it because it was cosplay, you know, and, and you wished that every day could be Halloween. Yeah, it's spent, my favorite holiday. Oh nice. Yeah, so yeah. we would spend months putting together, you know, we never wanted to just have store bought costumes. Spend months putting them together and then Eventually, we, we evolved into throwing a Halloween party. But, but you know, once we found out you could, like, do this at Comic-Cons, you're like, oh, my God, this is great. And then you f- find this whole Star Wars thing. And I had known about the 501st, but never thought we could actually get there. And, and we did. So it's been fun. Um, yeah, so um, talk about both of you, I guess, a little bit about how you, you – I guess you just talked about how you kind of discovered getting into the costuming, but – how did you decide to get into the 501st and Rebel Legion? Um, well, it, was, it, it started with me. Um, after The Force Awakens, uh, I kind of became a little obsessed with the Kylo Ren outfit and wanted to take that as the springboard. And so I started constructing that and, and you know, it, and it taught me, you know, at that point, Naomi taught me how to sew. Um, you did a lot of self-teaching because eh. sometimes, <laughs> no, really, because sometimes, you know, he has become a more of an expert with the hard pieces and I'm better with the soft pieces. So it's a collaboration. 
but at the beginning we were kind of just figuring out like what we were good at and you know sometimes as a married couple you don't always get along so sometimes <laughs> when we were teaching I was teaching him to sew and he would say well why don't you just do it like this and I'm like because that's not how I do it <laughs> so <laughs> we figured it out and he found his own way of doing things and he, so I learned things from him because he is you know sometimes takes a more direct route and I tend to take things a little slower because I'm I was going to say you're very you're very detail oriented and I'm I I remember I think it was your Kira dress um cuz it was definitely when we were f we first kind of met and um you were kind of telling me about your Kira dress and that like how many versions have you done let's let's start with that <laughs> I think I ended up on 3 I did 3 and I thought I thought the one that you were showing me or were wearing was was amazing. And you were like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about redoing it." I was like, "What? <laughs> I'm I'm so lazy. I'm like, okay, I got it done. Clean my hands. I don't never want to look at this again." <laughs> so it's it's very admirable that like you, unless it's like perfect, you're you're not gonna rest until it's it looks superb. Which even even at the state that it was, it looked amazing. But but I understand what you're saying about how you want to you want to take kind of the longer way and make sure it's like done correctly and to the T. Yes. Um, yes. So and the Kira dress is a special one, right? Cause that, that you were the first in the revolution to have that one. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even, I wasn't, I've never tried to be first with a costume. It just ended up being that way. As soon as I saw her in that dress and I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh my God. It, it was the same moment that I had with Fireside Padme. Of course, they're black evening gowns, like black's <laughs> my jam. And I was just like, oh my God, I have to make that. So I started making it and we were, the goal was to have it, we wear our costumes to the premiere. Um, Justin was super disappointed that I didn't get it done time for the premiere, but Aww. we made it for Galaxy, uh, not Galaxy's Edge, Galactic Nights. We went to Disney and I wore it um, there for the first time and um, a lot of people in the 501st uh, saw me in it and they reached out and um, so I didn't go about the normal way like you build a work in progress and you document everything like I was documenting it for myself but I wasn't posting it on the board or keeping it all together in like a nice tidy spot because I was never that wasn't my goal to be first um, and to like submit it to be the CRL. But I was so flattered that they reached out and, you know, it, it ended up being, I, it was me and another um, member. I can't remember. We both had our pictures on there um, and con helped build the content. So it was really um, exciting. That's a very, and it, that's a very like uh, cool thing uh, to be a part of is to help build a CRL and even possibly become the CRL photo because that's almost like a, a moment in history for the in the five hundred first. And um, if you don't know what a so. CRL, so explain what a CRL is real quick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're all good. It's the costume reference library for the five hundred first, and it's a guideline of all the components. It's very specific. Um, it's a great tool to help you understand if you want to make a costume and exactly what's going to go into it and all the guidelines to make it 
screen accurate because, um, and Justin, you can explain this probably a little bit better than I can. Now you're doing um, pretty good. Um, <laughs> because all the costumes for the 501st and the Rebel Legion are LFL um, approved, right? Is sanctioned, that how you, or, sanctioned. Or, or, or Jason or bottom line is that, that at the end of the day you could be cast uh, to play that character potentially as as Matthew and I have both done in different capacities so it's got to be perfect yeah and the CRL outlines everything that you need to do and then there's a process um, after you've made the costume you submit it and um, they judge it, and they'll come back to you um, with any um, changes or comments or questions. Sometimes you need to provide additional um, documentation or resources, and it's just a great process to um, get the costume as screen accurate as possible, which, I mean, I obsess about it, so... <laughs> And I think it's made us a little, I mean, at least me, I'm very particular now about details because of it. Even when I'm making costumes that are not for the 501st or Rebel Legion, I, the amount of time I put into research and making sure I get all the accurate details done. I'm, and I'll sit back and I'm like, I don't need to be this, you know, particular with this costume, but it's so ingrained in me now. And it's, for, it's it, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, to strive for you know, accuracy, but sometimes I'm like, oh, my wallet is not liking this right now. (laughs) At the end of the day, it can be really fun, and then you start to kind of unlock the secrets. I mean, at the end of the day, these are just big productions, and there were were kind of different iterations of the costumes over time. I mean, think of the first three movies, particularly the first one, is the costumes were made on as strict of a budget as possible. So they were used, reused, broken, taped together, you know, and you can see this now with all the 4K uh, versions of the videos. Of They're how like, now our stuff. secrets yeah. revealed yeah, the, in yeah, HD. Then, <laughs> now, then you had, then you had the, the prequel era of movies where basically it was like, let's get true uh, fashion costume, ridiculous fabrications and techniques. And those are the hardest. Uh, from, a yeah, from a soft perspective, those are the hardest costumes of For anything. Sure. To, to make and 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 you know there's just I mean true artistry and 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 all of those and if you've seen them in person which they have a traveling museum show that that goes from city to city from time to time they're just they're just crazy and the, some of the fabrics are even like upholstery grade fabrics you know they're really thick and and weighty and then this new era has two contributors that that you know the main fashion guy is a guy named Michael Kaplan who used to be with Calvin Klein you know a lot of other major fashion brands and then you know it's funny we have a, a mutual friend who said that you know he's he's the fashion guy but he must have some sort of a person that's guiding him with stormtroopers and armors and that guy we found over time is Glenn Dillon who has been very good at, at reaching out with you know, when you reach out as the costuming community to get answers from him about certain things he'll tell you a lot of what goes into it but once you start unlocking some of the secrets about one costume, it, it they do reuse parts. And, and in a lot of the rebel costumes and resistance costumes, they're all harken back to military of World War II, mostly, sometimes Vietnam era, and they use a lot of the found surplus type of parts. So, so once you get kind of used to the formula, a lot of these unlock. Now, Elena, as, as 
is doing one of the harder things of trying. And Naomi and I have both done this with uh, Inferno Squad of making costumes that didn't come out of movies but came out of video games. And uh, that's yes. like a completely <laughs> different level. Whole because, different ball game. Because that's not even real. <laughs> you know? So, so, so it's 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 become kind of a neat, you know, unlocking of codes as well as the technique of actually building. But also, it's like it's it's just funny to think like who who was in charge of making this design because it is not physically possible to do this. So it's really funny because we have a group. So. Um, I'm working on Second Sister. For those of you who don't know, it's from the Jedi Fallen Order video game. Oh, you uh, are? Oh, I'm so excited. Sorry, that I didn't know you were doing that. Wait, did you not know that? No, I'm I so excited like now. I've talked about it with everyone. It's been a weird work in progress. I've been working on it for a few months because it's a struggle. But again, it's like reinventing the wheel with a lot of these costumes because there's no commercial pattern for them, at least these soft parts. So you kind of have to... Um, really get creative uh, with how you go about constructing some of these costumes, especially, like I said, video game, Justin said, the video game costumes. So um, luckily with video games today, there's a lot of detail that can be unlocked, so to speak, if you find video game models that you can kind of zoom in on and inspect. Um, You can really reveal a lot of stuff, but... Um, you know, things to like material that like cannot possibly exist and, and just uh, <laughs> how how certain things are constructed in the video game. It's like not possible in real life. So you have to really figure out ways to make it look accurate, but, uh, you know, so it's functional. Um, but it's interesting. So the Inferno Squad um, costumes, uh, they did actually make Iden Versio's uh, kit, right? Because the actress wore it for what was it celebration? Yeah, mm-hmm. they they actually they actually did they they and and they're one of the few that are actually the CRL models. But what's come to pass is is the the pictures that they took those days is like they had said, oh my god, we've got the actual actors. Let's get something together. So they scrapped together some biker scouts and painted them black and scrapped together some tie fighters and the pilots and then made the helmets. But at the end. They went back and said, well, it's not necessarily as accurate to your point, Elena, as the video game is. So we've got these beautiful CRLs with these great costumes that look fantastic, but then there became this issue of the accuracy back to the video game. And so since then, they've augmented those pictures to keep the actors in there, because I've had a perspective. That's so disappointing. Right, right. I mean, it's so cool, but... Right. The CRLs have been somewhat rewritten as, as to your point, the, the information of the uh, actual specifics of the costumes have come out, and you've been able to see the models of, you know, the 3D models of, of the suits. So I, I remember submitting that costume, and, and I went straight with the pictures in the CRL, and, and I got called out on my straps on my flak vest because they, didn't, they, they weren't accurate. I was like, well, they're accurate to the picture in the CRL. They're like, nope, not to the video game. We're changing the CRL. Ah. <laughs> it's 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 a fun little it is it is a weird struggle but at the end of the day we we just want to make it accurate and and we you know you want to look the part you don't want to you know just kind of throw it together and call it a day so you know as as, as frustrating it as it might be you know you can't get mad you you, you know you, you just want to make it look good yeah and i like the challenge of it too like it's just a great right, right. I don't know. I, it's like exciting to be like, oh, can I really do this? And when you do, it's like a sense of accomplishment. And 
Oh, definitely. And it's especially like some of these more difficult costumes. It's um, it, there's a lot of costumes I feel like that have been done enough times, like, uh, for example, a Thai pilot. Enough people have made that costume over the past 10, 15 years where there's enough resources out there, um, vendors and people who can help you with it. But some of these newer costumes, you kind of are left on your own or only talking to maybe a couple other people who are looking at it. So it's 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 a little scary um, and, and daunting because you're kind of this you're kind of on your own with it. Um, but it's kind of like exploring a whole new world with costumes. And when, and when you get it done, it's very rewarding. Yeah, I haven't really gone into that uh, realm yet. Uh, with my costumes, I have a couple of stormtroopers. I have uh, an X-Wing pilot because those are the ones I wanted. But I've started to venture into my latest one. And I think there's only five or so. It's uh, a TFA Admiral Akbar. Um, oh, wow. Hey. Oh my god! This is the first time I'm hearing about it, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm. Ex- I I'm still trying to finish my Obi Wan, but the I've started the the pieces. But it, the one thing that made me nervous was figuring out what the boots needed to be um, for that one because it's harder to figure that one out and trying to find somebody who could give me answers. Um, because that's the guy another, that's another thing is like finding resources right. and parts that are probably they, they don't exist or like nobody's making them so you kind of have to like figure out what to do but yeah. it's 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 an adventure it is most of the parts i'm okay with but the, but the boots were making me scared because i'm like i can't make boots <laughs> you do the rest yeah there's there's i mean for me it's like there's three different areas there's the kind of the classic costumes you know which is the stormtrooper you know vader to an extent um you know and pilots uh tie fighter pilots definitely officers then there's this wow factor costume you know and and the the, the public just their jaw drops and for me that was 3po and i've been I was gonna on say that's which one that is for you <laughs> yeah and, and and you know it, it, when you wear it you know it's it's just absolute torture to wear but the when you step out into the the public it's just like crazy and then the third level is something that i i I unfortunately haven't gotten to experience the way I think everyone else on the phone has, uh, or on the podcast has, is is the ability to do a face character and really pull it off. And and Matthew, I think your Obi Wan is going to be that's your jam. And Naomi's been really lucky to, you know, her Iden. I think when she looks, you know, when she pulls it all together, she looks like Iden. And and you know, Elena, I think you you score both with Leia and Padme. I mean, it it really you know, it's convincing, and, and I think it, you know, becomes very special because you are those characters to the kids that you're, you know, that you've seen. Yeah, no, I've seen really your face weird. characters. They work. I mean, it, you know, I understand what you're saying in that, like... But you guys are on a different level because you guys... It's all the makeup that we wear. <laughs> it's in the makeup. But I was going to say, and it's funny... Uh, I started out with face characters and now I'm transitioning into like, I just got my Jawa done and uh, hopefully get my Thai pilot finished soon. (laughs) I've been working on that for almost two years, but um, it's weird to transition from that because you go from not to toot my horn or anything, but uh, like you're in the spotlight, you know, you do someone as big as Princess Leia, you're obviously going to be kind of a main focal point. But then when you become a Jawa, 
you kind of become not not to say invisible, but it's really interesting to kind of troop from that perspective where like, oh, I don't have to smile for every photo. My face is not going to hurt at the end of the day. And <laughs> I don't have to wear makeup and I don't have to um, you, or you do have to act still, but you interact with people differently than you would as a face character. So it's, it's really uh, an interesting experience. Um, and Matt, I cannot wait till you get your Obi-Wan done. I'm going to make so many jokes. <laughs> you, have to, you have to know every Obi-Wan line from the movie. I'm quizzing you when we're done. Yeah, I should have had it done. It's a long story that I don't want to get into, but I'll tell you guys off the podcast. But um, but I was it, 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 there are several different types. It's okay. <laughs> it's not, well, we could, but I, I don't really feel like getting into it. But anyways, um, the 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 costumes that you have, I feel like it, each one has like a different purpose. Um, and like, I love having my stormtroopers because it gets everybody excited when they see them. Um, and those those serve that purpose, and it's partially why I'm doing the Akbar because I was trying to think of a character that people would see and just get really excited for that we That'll didn't really have around wow here. That's a wow. Well, that's a wow costume for sure. Right, because it's and, not one that you see often. Like right. your three P your C three PO, and I mean, even when I saw that for the first time, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Whenever I pass past a mirror when I'm in the costume, I still can't believe it. You know. <laughs> Now, Justin, you have some cool stories to go with C-3PO um, that, that I think would be, you know, cool to talk about because you actually have on, I think, a couple different occasions uh, met Anthony Daniels while in costume. Um, talk about that experience. So, I mean, look, we're, this is all very close to all of us and the opportunity to be in the presence of anyone that's been on, associated with Star Wars is, is really an honor driven thing. So Naomi actually paved the way. She got to meet Gwendolyn Christie in her Phasma costume. And what you find is, you know, obviously when you have, when you're in their presence, they want to talk about the costume and how you made it. And she was really good about that with her. And with Anthony, he, he, I had two occasions to, to interact with him and I was, you know, the story goes, so we're all kind of, you know, we've all seen Star Wars toys forever, most of our lives at this point, if not all of your lives. Um, there was a period of time in my life where there was no such thing as a Star Wars action figure. And I remember explicitly the summer after um, the movie came out where I was at Newcomb Nursery School in New Orleans, Louisiana, and this kid came in and had a uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 action figure. And I remember seeing that action figure for the first time and holding it, and you'd never seen anything like it. And I just fell in love with that character. And I had obviously seen the movie, and it was important as well. And I, I liked the fact that he was the comic relief and, and that R2 was really the, always the one that was in control of everything that was going on. Um, so, so as time passed and we got into this costuming group, there was a goal to have a C-3PO. And I had, knew I had to hone in the tactics or the... the, the abilities and the ability to make the costume in a much different way than it is a very hard costume to make. And I was getting ready to start, and this was about a year and a half ago, someone posted online a 100% a a completed C-3PO costume. Yeah, I remember when that came up and when all of us were like, I mean, I was thinking about doing a C-3P also, but everybody was like, somebody needs to buy this. And you were the, one of the people who everybody was like, the, somebody needs to have the perfect body Joe, for it. So. Joe and myself. So right. either one, one of us was going to have to bite the bullet. And I knew I wanted it. Um, the thing is with 3PO, it is a one size fits 
skew, not a one-size-fits-all <laughs> costume. There is no forgiveness in the costume. So when I I, I contacted the I, I tell the story because it plays into the whole thing. Um, I, I I contacted the guy and made the arrangement that no matter what I was taking it, so he didn't have to worry about if it fit or if it didn't fit. But I was very you know wanted to understand how it fit him and his size and everything. So it arrived and. Luckily, I put it on, and it required zero modification other than me moving about five pounds, um, <laughs> and, and it worked. But So we find out that at Celebration, Anthony's going to do a private, not a private signing, but a non-tops um, signing. Uh, and, and so we signed up, and the fun part of the story was I got to be dressed by the guy who... Uh, I, I kind of looked at it as my role model of, of C3PO cosplay, and that's a guy named Dan, um, who awesome, and he had had a detached retina, so he couldn't do C3PO for the event, so it was nice to bring him along. But I had paid for the ability to have the guy that created the suit, who ended up not being able to, the reason why he had to sell it is he just couldn't fit in it, and he couldn't do it. Um, so oh, I brought him. So disappointing. I know. And he had done <laughs> right? such an amazing job on this suit. Um, so I brought him along to, so all three of us got to meet Anthony at the time, but I got to be in the suit. So we pull up, we roll up to the front of the, uh, signing area, and he obviously has seen that I'm there in the suit, comes from around the table and proceeds to show me exactly how to have, uh, how to walk as a a protocol droid. Um, very, very nice, just really, really, really could tell and was impressed by the costume itself, and also the fact that someone would want to be in it. He allowed, <laughs> he allowed that period of time to, to have everybody take photographs, and it was a great experience. Uh, he signed inside of my hand. So oh, nice. the, the, the inside of the palm is, has got his signature, which is really neat to have. Um, and then fast forward, he had written an amazing book that chronicles really his life in and out of that costume. It's not like a autobiography or it's not like a regular biography or anything like that. It's, it's, it's really just a chronicle of his occasions of being in the Star Wars universe in costume and, and adjacent to it. And it's really good. And I ha- actually recommend the audio book. You could hear that guy read the phone book and it was fun. Uh, but he did a si- signing in New York and uh, the C-3PO build group is a very small, tight-knit group of folks, as you can imagine. And uh, the Ohio C-3PO had, had contacted me saying, hey, has anybody asked you to be uh, C-3PO for the signing? And I said, no. And so I actually contacted the Rebel Legion in, in New York, and they hadn't heard anything. So I ended up just calling the bookstore and their PR person just saying, hey, listen, would you like a C-3PO for the book signing? And they contacted Anthony's people who said, absolutely love to have someone there in costume if possible. So I went there and he did his thing and, and uh, you know, talking about the book, talking about experiences, making fun of the crowd. That's one of the things he does. He gets a little British and astutely snippy with the crowd. It's, just, it's all an act. Um, and, and then at the end, I, I was able to tell him the story I just told you about how important the character was to me in my life. And, you know, he's very appreciative. So... Two really awesome. great experiences with, with him. Nice, nice. And Naomi, I don't know that I knew about you meeting uh, Gwendolyn Christie, but what was that experience like? Oh, it was so amazing. Um, we, it was our first time at Rhode Island Comic Con, and it was such an amazing experience. Um, the garrison there is amazing. Um, 
and we went, got a photo op and um, an autograph signing. So I was able to meet her. Um, the first time we did, we had the photo op, and I was in kit, um, and Justin and our son Jack were with us. And she was so nice. She asked to hold my helmet, and she held it for the picture. And if you can ever see that picture, the all of our faces were all like grinning ear to ear because it's just <laughs> I so love that picture of you guys, <laughs> including her. Uh, and she looks excited too. Honestly, like really great photo. Yeah. Um, and then after that, a little bit later, we had the autograph signing, um, and we just got to talk to her a little bit more. And Gwendolyn is like. She is such a pleasure. She was nice asking us questions. We were able to ask, talk to her a little bit. Um, she told us the costume and how she said she's like um, scaled mountains, like she's hiked mountains. And I, I can't remember which one she said, but she said, and wearing that costume was way more difficult. And it, I mean, wearing the costume, I have a little bit of understanding, but to wear that in a film and how she expresses emotion um and I, it just carries herself in it it's just really amazing and it was meet her and to for her to be such a pleasure with even the icing on the cake it was great she's got a like a presence to her when you meet her and she, she's it's always uh very daunting to meet uh celebrities especially someone of her um notoriety i guess um and it's always refreshing when they're not only nice but they're they're genuinely excited to be there as a Star Wars person, I guess you could say. It was actually the same, that was the same day I got my autograph from her. That's my most, we were talking about like our most prized items in our Star Wars collection. Mine's her autograph because she was just, it was like such a pleasant experience uh, to talk to her. And she also gave me a beautiful autograph. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a good day. And we got to see, uh, oh, I at least got to see um, her honorary induction into the revolution, which is always kind of a really cool moment because um, a lot of celebrities and, and a lot of, not just celebrities, but people who are involved with Star Wars will um, get honorary uh, inductions into both Rebel Legion and 501st, right? Yeah. I think it's it's not just celebrity or the, just the actors. It's a lot of other people as well, like artists, um, maybe musicians. I don't know. Is John Williams an honorary member? I would imagine. Oh, he has to be. I can't imagine he's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's what's cool about that end of it is that uh, these major celebrities are in the films, know about the organization um, for the most part, and are excited to be a part of it. And, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys know this from, from going to Disney, but I just remember this was before Galaxy's Edge was open. I was there last summer and, uh, wearing some 501st stuff around and, um, just the staff there is aware of it and they just get excited just to, you know, I, I got thanked for my service and I, I felt a little weird about that end of it, but I, I was like, but, but they understand what we're about, which is that the, the service end is a big part of, part of uh, what we do. Uh, actually, I wanted to kind of discuss, so what is it like being, um, you know, a married couple doing this together? together like you know the the together aspect of it how does that play into 
um, you know, uh, I guess what you do, but also just just describe, and it doesn't matter either one of you, just describe being in it together. Um, what's that kind of like? I mean, for me, it's like we really value our family time. Um, I mean, even more so right now. We're all together. Um, and it's great because we actually, like, we were joking about it the other day. We're like, oh, yeah, we really like each other. Like, we like our family. <laughs> this is good. Um, but before the crazy times that we're in, you know, we um, just really love our family time and our weekend time um, and doing things together. And, you know, Justin kind of made sure that Jack was watching the movies from an early age. And we kind of, I joke that we brainwashed him like in Star Wars, but um, he does really love it. Uh, his number one character is Kylo Ren um, since The Force Awakens came out. And so he wanted to cosplay that character. Um, he just loves him. And so he was wearing him all the time and bring him along with us. Well, he's an accomplished cosplayer at this point. Didn't he win a contest? <laughs> I was say, yeah. right? He did, he did. Yeah, Justin can talk about he made um, a shore trooper for him for uh, celebration in so Chicago. So cute. So <laughs> <tiny>. <laughs> yeah, it's just a great experience. And, you know, we have our ups and downs where sometimes I'm putting him in the C3PO costume. Uh, not getting along so well because that's just a difficult costume. Um, I think just for me, though, I think it's really just difficult for me to get him in it. For other people, it's like goes on. I have the same experience with my wife, I think, because she's, <laughs> she's the same thing yeah, getting right. in the armor. She's like... I mean, I would say those are our lowest points. C-3PO is the wedge. But, but uh, I mean, look, I think that, that the thing is, Star Wars, you know, and you'll hear Carrie say this, you'll hear everybody say this, it's, it's about family. And, you know, if, if, I think that we have a lot of friends in the Legion, and, and you know, I, I, there's inevitably a lot of husbands that love this and wives that don't, and vice versa. Um, you know, and, and I don't know how that would work long-term for me, um, because, you know, it's it's always been such a driving force in my life. And, now that this this costuming thing is you know and and this group has become a thing i you know i did i did i mean i was the one that reached out to the 501st and and started the process and i didn't know if naomi was gonna like it or not or find friends there or not and the reality was you know the other the past couple of nights is like are we getting online are we going to be talking you know are we going to be playing the board game she's now the principal of the uh the new jersey galactic academy uh, which, uh, you know, which is... Uh, assistant, assistant principal. Assistant, sorry, assistant princ principal of the Galactic Academy, <laughs> which is where all the kids uh, that want to costume as well get to get to gather together. And, I was going to say, that's like the one group we always forget to mention. That's the, like, kids' version. Because you have to be 18, and uh, at least 18, to join the 501st Rebel Legion and, I guess, the other groups. So there's Galactic Academy for kids to where there's no like rules or standards where you can just kind of you, you can have, have a disney costume and yeah. just submit yeah. and you're in it which is great because you know the kids it's to include the kids, the kids. Yeah, yeah it's nice yeah. so but but you know we've we've uh you know we we do it together you know uh i've become the hard part guy and she's the soft part girl and 
now we're we're finding the need for um, you know where she was for the most part like in Kira she's making the dress and I had to make a belt piece no, so no big deal. Um, now our costumes are very integrated you know so like Chewbacca she had to sew the suit uh, together and and now I'm making the fur or her Zori she's making the soft parts but I'm I, the helmet you, know, you can't have a Zori bliss without the helmet being right so I have to make the helmet for her. So now it's a, a definite cross-pollinated thing. And, and then there's Jack who, you know, yes, to get in Galactic Academy, you can pretty much have anything, but we want to have costumes that are just as ornate for him. And, and you know, it's become like a, a nice building experience for both of us. So we're now making him a Mandalorian, and she's going to make the soft parts for him, and which is a big part of the costume. And she's learning how to do leather because of that. And, I'm so um, excited to learn how to do leather. And that's the other thing about the costume more involved you get, the more there is a learning experience. So I've never really worked with leather before, but I'm planning to do it for the belt for Zori and then for Jack's pieces on the Mandalorian and then Justin's um, sisters and straps done. And I'm excited to like just learn more and um, push myself even farther and then you know the whole family gets to benefit and it's just it's a great experience to do together um i think the first time we ever talked about joining at least for me was when we were in celebration orlando and we justin was like do you want to i was in my ray which i have never gotten approved it's bought from china and i was going to make some pieces and i never got there but he was like why don't we just go to the rebel legion booth you can show them and talk to them about it and i remember everyone was so nice and um they just gave me some suggestions and i just thought okay i think i think i can do this i think i'm gonna <laughs> go back um and it was just a great experience and that whole it was our first celebration to see just so many fans together um, and experiencing whole, whole the floor, the panel, everything. It was just a really amazing experience. And it just helped me fall in love with the costuming and everything a little bit more, where Justin was like fully invested. But it really brought it to another level for me. And for Jack, it was just like um, he was amazed. I mean, he had no problem getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to wait in the line for the oh. 40th anniversary panel. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard that that, that was a rough <laughs> thing at, at Orlando's. All the, before they implemented this lottery system, there was a lot of waiting in lines at that one. The lottery is much better, much, much better. Yeah, and it's like that way you know if you're getting in exactly. or not. But waiting online for that long and not even knowing if you're going to get in is definitely very daunting. Exactly. But, and there's but, so much to see. Yep. So then you can like plan, okay, well, I don't have to wait in this line. I can, or I can go to the other panel because they have so many panels going on at the same time that Definitely. there's always something else they're going to want to um, attend instead of like the main panel. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, once you finally get connected to these groups, um, it, it enhances a lot of different things. It enhances your in enjoyment of Star Wars. I mean, I you see that there's always talk right now of the divisiveness in the Star Wars fandom, but 
and we have pe- some people like the new movies, don't like the new movies, whatever. But there's not divisiveness in our love for this and what we do um, and being a part of these groups. Like you don't see that, at least in our experience, in my experience, I should say. Um, no, I that- totally agree with you. I think at the end of the day that even though we do have some different opinions on movies and, and what they're doing with the with the story, at the end of the day, what we do for the fandom and for the fans of the movies i think is what kind of matters most and the the people we've met and the family honestly that we've become uh you know that's what you were saying about celebration celebrations are really great time for a lot of people in the different uh fan groups because we will know each other virtually because that's where i guess basically our presence is is online whether it's social media or on our forums and to be able to finally meet and hang out with those people is really special uh well it's an an international network of people i mean i did uh this past week i just did got on a call with um some some command people in the rebel legion and they're just from all over the country and we're just having this conversation like we know each other and i met them a couple minutes before i might have met some of them online a little bit but it's you know and uh and there's conversations going on with people all over uh all over the planet really and it's interesting because i think that now in this time so i don't know if we've actually like mentioned it but so we're recording now during the big pandemic and it's it's a weird weird time for everyone and it's been difficult for us because we haven't been trooping and we haven't been able to get dressed up so we have to do it at home essentially but i feel like in a way we've all gotten a lot closer even though we're we're apart uh, we've been coming together and supporting each other, like uh, you know, through Zoom calls and and uh, our podcast. Um, so, because you're saying you got on a video call, like, is that normally what you do, or is it because of what's been going on? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm hoping that it becomes a normal thing because it was really cool. But I think it's stepped up because of the pandemic. That um, the uh, the um, Elcio, the uh, CEO for the entire Rebel Legion, is really trying to make sure that all the groups are connected and on the same page. And uh, he'll just he'll just get on and do stuff live, um, just to check yeah, in, in with way, people. It's like even though yes, it's it's you know a weird and sucky time, but there is some positive coming out of it. Is that we are connecting in new ways right. and, and ways that will definitely change how we interact in the future. I think, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and we, it's, uh, and, you know to bring it back to yeah, celebration you know again you're right you don't hear any of that toxicness and you know there was even an article that was about you know toxic fandom had no place at star wars celebration and it's true but you know we as a family I, i'll go on record a we love disney uh, i think personally as a long time star wars fan there was no other curator on this planet that could handle star wars and i personally think they've done an amazing service to all of us. And B, the other thing that we talk about here a lot is, this is not our story to tell. You know, so you can agree, disagree with the way that a character arc is going. You can like it, you can not like it. But at the end of the day, it's just not our story to tell. And, you know, I'm the old person here. I remember back in the day, there was, you know, I didn't know who directed the movies, you know, I mean, I, I eventually did, you know, and you didn't care, and there was no subreddit to go to to say how <laughs> there was turmoil on the set of here, there, or whatever, I mean, let's be real, 
Carrie, Mark, and Harrison, and Billy D were out doing blow with the Rolling Stones the night before they did the Cloud <laughs> City scene. You know, no one knew that. that. No so one. Much. It's it's a it's a fact. It's a true story. But no, no one needs to know that. And and the fact that they're all completely wasted during that scene was never something that was discussed or that there could be turmoil or that something was going this way or that way. And the reality was Star Wars was a disaster until it was in the editing room with George Lucas's you know, wife at the time and, and it was fixed. And then, you know, subsequent stories is of of similar turmoil exist and they were out of money and they were over budget and they were late and and things had you know so so all of these things went undetected in the past, and now you've got you know basically people calling for Kathleen Kennedy's head and Ryan Johnson's uh-huh. head, and and I hate this and that. And no, this is not your story to tell, and and it doesn't matter that Colin Trevorrow may have had a really cool script idea. You know, it it it's great as a fandom kind of side thing, but it doesn't matter. It's not the story. You know, well, and, so, I, and I think you make a choice. So you and I have had a, a few conversations about this, but, but um, I think you make a choice with how you want to interact with Star Wars, yep. and and you can decide yeah. if you want to like hate hate it. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, but I make the choice to to just make it um, as positive as I can and go along for the ride. I've described it. I think I've described it even on this podcast of thinking of it like you're watching uh, history. And, you know, you can't change what history is, but you can kind of uh, interact with it and discuss it and talk about the implications of it. And for me personally, and anybody can interact with it any way they want to, but for me personally, I get more joy enjoyment out of the conversations that we have on this podcast because we're not sitting there going, I hate this, I don't like that, which is fine if that's what you want to do, but... I enjoy more like let's talk about what is and let's talk about Star Wars. I think we're happier at the end of the day because I mean honestly that I think about it there aren't that many people in the legion that are, you know, like oh my god I hate this movie. I'm never touching Star Wars again. No, like yeah, they may may, you know, not like it, but they still embrace it as like this is our Star Wars and at the end of the day this is what we do and I think I don't know if being in the Legion and having that experience is affecting that thought process, but I think it's definitely helped, at least for me, because I remember I was one of those people that um, was a little disappointed with The Last Jedi, and I, like, didn't, you know, like the way, you know, the story went, and I think I finally kind of, a lot of people, including you, Justin, have helped me um, appreciate the movie for what it is and actually really liking it, you know, taking a step back and, and really liking it. Uh, and there's some things that I still, I'm a little like, eh, this is not my favorite, but yeah, it's not a I, I'm happier at the end of the day because I'm not one of those people that goes around like, Oh, I hate the last Jedi. No, you know, I'm happier at the end of the day now being able to look at the stuff that I do like. So, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, just me. I mean, my my, ma- my major partner in crime is Taylor, who was on the last podcast, and you know, we both have the same feeling. And you know, I, you know, let's let's be real. That was the big divisive film uh, for 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 many many folks. And for me, I remember sitting in the theater watching it, and I you know I said you know these jokes are on opening night are funny, but maybe they don't play as well in the future. But that's not you know that's just all part of the movie, the story. And where I thought the direction that it went was 
was one of those things that was like, this is what really would have happened. Because when you look at a hero's journey and you step back, it's not, you know, go up, 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 and then you win. You know, it is, yes. it is a history of, okay, you have won this battle and then you moved. And, and that's real. And the one thing that I will credit Star Wars with is, is being real. And the other part that was explored in the, and I guess it really came out in the third movie was, was the idea of a point of view. And, and a story told from one point of view could be very different than a story told from another point of view. And so the idea of exploring different points of view to a story, Ryan Johnson actually did that. You know, he, he gave you three scenarios of the Ben Solo-Luke interaction in one movie. Those are three different points of view of what was happening. You know, and, and so there's all these really good, and, and anybody that wants to bash Ryan Johnson, go see Knives Out, go see some of his other work. The guy, the guy's smart. The guy knows how to write a story that takes a lot deeper twists than are on the surface. And I thought the movie has so many of those great lines that you can start following and say, oh my God, this is actually exactly how this would play out if it wasn't a fairy tale. But also people and, were judging the, the movie. It's in the middle of a trilogy. So I was exactly. telling people, even though I was at first like, oh, I'm not sure if I really like this movie, I would always end with, but I'm not going to, this isn't my final judgment until I see the last movie because this is in the middle of a story. You can't judge a book ha when you're halfway through. Exactly. I mean, you can to a degree if it's written well, but you, know, you can't judge an entire story before you finished it. So. Forgetting, forgetting all that, I can tell you the biggest ground, and this will take us back to why we're here today, the biggest grounding factor in that entire movie and the entire Hub of Blue was I sat in a theater with my then, how old was he? I guess he was four, almost four years old son who, could, who sat in a the movie theater in a Kylo Ren costume with his 3D glasses on at 11 o'clock on opening night and he did not stop staring at that screen until the end of the movie and then looked at us talk and said, to him. And, and, and then <laughs> looked at us both and said, Can we watch it again? Oh and, I love and, him. Yeah. and and then you start to think, maybe, just maybe, and it's okay that Star Wars isn't necessarily written for me anymore because I'm in a different stage of that journey. I'm closer, sadly, to the Han Leia Luke arcs than I am to the Ray Finn Poe arc, you know. That's what you and, grew up with, yeah. Right, right. Well, I, but I mean, in age, you know, in my life, I've seen a lot of stuff, you know, and 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 so when you start thinking about the journey, and then you start seeing how the younger crowd will look at it, and I and I listen for me in my age, the I remember the, how I felt the day I came after seeing the Phantom Menace. They're like, so what did you think of it? I was like, I don't know yet, you know? <laughs> and, and well, what, how was this Jar Jar thing? I don't know. But then I had my nephew, who at the time was like three years old, and he loved it, you know? And it was, it, and, and you start to take a step back and say, I might be part of the other group in this movie, not the young group. And, well, and having children, having children changes the perspective so much. I mean, I, I, I was going to say, and the fact that you are older, Jen, but uh, have this love for the for the sequel movies is really refreshing too, because there are a lot of OG fans that are very um, 
resistant to the new stuff and they're like oh that's not my star wars and it's like come on you should be happy you're getting Jess, Jess and i are in the star same wars. boat we are just have like we went you know if, if you didn't truly experience as the type of fan that justin and i were the dark times where um i mean it was you you it got so far away that it wasn't i don't, I don't cool is not the right word but you know like if you were into star wars at the level that like we are now during like you know seven eight years after the movies had come out there weren't a lot of people like that and so um just to have movies coming out and have content coming out and things that we can talk about and you know younger fans you know um the fact that elena and i can have this podcast and talk on a on a on a, a level where we're we're both equally excited about talking about it um we experienced a time where that really wasn't wasn't the case and so I, I, I'm I'm grateful for whatever we get, and I and I'm also at a point in my life where judging the movies for you know too harshly um, is just not where I'm at in my life. I'd rather just you know I, my 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 wife and I have had these discussions because you know I'll be critical of other things, but for some reason Star Wars, I just I just want to appreciate and enjoy it. That's where I'm at. Um, it's interesting that you mention it like that too, because I. Well, I didn't grow up with Star Wars, but the from the during the time that I've been a fan, there's been, I think, the most hype that there's ever been for Star Wars. So I'm very lucky in that aspect. Um, where it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's a it's mainstream now. Yeah. Like, if you didn't go see the new Star Wars movie, it's kind of like, what are you doing with your life? But it, it's interesting to know that there was, and I was born in '98, so obviously I didn't. <laughs> no, experience any any of the dark times um but when i did i did get to meet timothy zahn who is considered to be one of the people to kind of help save star wars during the dark times he's an author of uh yeah. he he's most famously known for writing about thrawn uh so and to meet him and just kind of say like hey like i didn't n like really experience that but thank you <laughs> for keeping it afloat yeah, I mean that was sort of, that was when we started to get the resurgence. I think right around uh, well, it was a little later than that. I think that that we found out about that the prequels were going to happen. Um, but I mean, I you know I don't I don't know if Justin experienced this because he you know there's a slight difference in age, not a ton, but a slight difference in age. But you know I can tell tell experiences of of being bullied for for my you know liking of Star Wars. Um, not that I have like a lot of you know bullying stories, but. It, there was definitely a time where um, it was, you know, it was not cool, for lack of a better word. To, I, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I, I'll embellish on that a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, it was like a great divide that happened. And, and it was that dark time. So I remember in 1979 making a video that, that I got out there that, you know, and we, we had the fortune of, uh, the Manning family, uh, Peyton and Eli, and uh, that, that's that's a that's a fabulous video too. We should, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we grew up with them. Archie was, and Olivia were good friends of my parents, and you know, there was a time where we made a Star Wars movie on eight millimeter film. Oh, and then it's as so cute. Time went on, you know, the athletes. I, I hate to bring it to the jocks and nerds, but but you know, the, the, there was there was a definite more divide. Um, and, and, you know, to your point, bullying wasn't necessarily the word at the time, but there was definite exclusion and seclusion of being nerdy. And yeah, I, when I was, I was in a weird world cause I was sort of, I, I was an athlete, 
Um, you know, I, and so it was a, it actually, some of the bullying I remember happening in, uh, in college, right around when the prequels came out. I, 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 I don't call it bullying because in the sense that you would probably think of it now, but definitely ridiculed for the way that I thought about Nerd. it. Nerd! Yeah, Nerd. And I was, you know, because I was with that. I was with, <laughs> you know, when I was in college, I was with athletes all the time. I was, I mean, you so know. I'll give, I'll give you another part of the story. Is I went, you know, my first two years of college, I was an aerospace engineer. And okay. obviously my love for Star Wars and, and all that fed into the love for the space program and exploration and kind of really formed me. And I went to Georgia Tech, which was, you know, one of the better engineering schools in the South. And, you know, there was literally five guys to every one girl. And to get that girl, you needed to have some sort of social standing which right. I never portrayed to have. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, and so you were very nerdy, very dateless, very whatever. Then you come into, like, now, and, like, it is clear that the tide has turned to the complete opposite direction because you go to Comic-Con and whatnot, and there's just beautiful people all over the place. And, and, and definitely, you know, many more girls have, have found... A relationship to Star Wars, which is amazing, and and really just the whole community in general, um, which is which is just great to see because now it's not just about nerds, it's and nerdy boys, it's it's about nerdy everyone, and and it's really become kind of neat and and spanning the generations. And Matt, you made a great point. It's it's it's. You know, you, you're, you're talking to Elena, who was born in 1998, uh, right. about the same thing. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I was in my first marriage in 1998. So, it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 uh, it's really, really, really uh, an amazing thing that's changed over time. And, and you know, again, that, it, it's funny because yesterday uh, on, on Facebook, a friend of my brother's posted, like, how fortunate was at one point in time to meet the Mannings and go to their house for, for lunch. He was kind of in awe about it. And he recalled making fun of Peyton saying, this kid will never be an NFL quarterback. He's tall and skinny, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, <laughs> and how he was wrong. And I commented with the video, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and so they watched the video yesterday and, and saw that, oh my God, you know, and it was kind of like a full circle, you know, like this whole dark times is gone and now every, all, all these people that were quote-unquote the athletes and the cool kids were just like, oh, my God, that's amazing, you know? And, and it is part of just, like, normal, everyday life now. Closeted nerds are finally coming out. <laughs> that's what yeah. I was saying before. It's, it's, it's refreshing that it's mainstream now because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, it's, not, it's, you know, it's cool to be a nerd now. It's like, okay, and your point is? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's, it's much cooler to be a nerd now than it is otherwise. There is no question that that's... And I love that. And it's nice to just, like I said, I, I really, um, I think the only time I ever really kind of kept my nerdiness, to, so to speak, to myself was when I was in school. I remember I had one weird experience uh, in college. Uh, I'm mean, still in college, but like a couple years ago, I had a Star Wars comic on, on the desk out next to me while I was like in one of the libraries and these girls were sitting next to me and like looked over and they saw my Star Wars comic and they started like whispering and laughing. I was like, oh my God, is this what it feels like? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a weird, I was like, wow, I've never felt this, this shame before in my life, but I quickly got over it because I was like, you know what? They're missing out. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're wrapping up our time um, for today, but I really want to thank the two of you for coming on and, and speaking with us. Um, you know, you're, you guys bring a wonderful positivity to the group, um, and, uh, and it's always wonderful to talk with you and see you guys, and I always look forward to seeing the next costume that you're working on. Um, and um, and and as probably was evident in in the conversation, we could sit here and talk Star Wars for three and a half days, and probably realize we have to go eat at some point. Um, but uh, but I but thank thank you to the both of you for coming on our podcast. I, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it was really really cool talking to you guys. And I think me and everyone listening can definitely agree. You guys are hashtag goals af. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it's really. I I look at you two, and I'm like, I better have this when I'm when I'm older because if my spouse doesn't like Star Wars, we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank yeah. you guys for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for uh, having us. Yeah. Do you guys have? I mean, we generally wrap up the show by pointing out um, places where, if anybody wanted to get in touch with us uh, through social media, they could. Do you guys have any places that uh, you might want to let people know if they wanted to talk to you? Um, it's fine if you don't. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm at Sonfield, S-O-N-F-I-E-L-D on Instagram. Okay. Nice. And then I am at Naomi Leilani, N-A-O-M-I-L-E-I-L-A-N-I on Instagram. Awesome. You guys have very aesthetical Instagrams, so I definitely recommend checking them out. <laughs> they post their costumes and all the glory. It's, 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 it's Star it. Wars and sailing for the most part. So, <laughs> yeah. That's true. It is very true. <laughs> and, and then uh, we would love to pimp out our little child who is developing his own little <laughs> following. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, at the kid cosplayer uh, on Instagram. Definitely awesome, check awesome. him out too. His his page is the cutest. Yes, very much, very much so. And Elena, what about you? We tell people where they can get you. You can find me um, <clears throat> at Elena underscore strikes on Instagram, and all the links to my other social media are in my bio. And for me, you can find me at BMTN1111, but as we say, all those ones gets confusing, so you're better off getting me on either thewillspodcast at gmail.com or at thewillspod on Instagram or Twitter, or find and like our Facebook page and send us a message. Um, Thank you again to Justin and Naomi, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.